You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Join us for our live broadcasts on Thursday nights and immediately following every IU game at our website, assemblycall.com. That's assemblycall.com. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to another victorious episode of the Assembly Call as tonight your Indiana Hoosiers defeat a depleted Minnesota Golden Gophers squad 80-56 to at Simon Scott Assembly Hall in a game where Indiana once again jumped out to a nice lead uh, and then really extended that lead in the second half, played very well against a team that they should dominate. They did, and it moves Indiana back to 500 in conference play at 7-7 seven and seven, uh, and to 14-12 and 12 overall. And we are here to break it all down for you on this edition of the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm your host, Jared Morris, here with Ryan Phillips and Andy Bottoms. And let's start tonight's show as we start every show, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And I want to take you back to the first half. And, you know, Indiana jumped out to that big lead, as I said, uh, and it looked like, you know, they were just going to run away with this thing early. But to Minnesota's credit, you know, they they stuck with it there in about the middle part of the first half, chipped away, chipped away, and finally cut it to 27 to 24. It, it was the tightest that they had gotten it since the very start of the game. And that was at about the five-minute mark. And that led to a just terrific sequence from Devontae Green that essentially pushed the lead back out, and Minnesota never really challenged again. On one possession, Devontae Green drained a three-pointer after, in, after Indiana did a really nice job of working the ball inside, got it into Juwan, who, who found Devontae you know, wide open at the top of the key. He drained it. That was actually his third kind of big three-pointer of the first half because there had been two previous possessions where Minnesota had cut it to five. And Devontae had ended the little Minnesota run with a three-pointer. This one, it was even closer because it was three. But that three was a big one. And then on the next possession, Devontae grabbed a tough defensive rebound, took one dribble, and then lofted a beautiful one-handed outlet pass about 55 feet just in the perfect spot for Jawan Morgan. Andy was probably having visions of Nick Foles as that pass came down by Devontae Green. Uh, it was a great play by Jawan Morgan. It was a quick 5-0 run. It was 32-24 at that point. That ignited a 12-5 run to end the half. Indiana pushed the lead back out to 10 at halftime and then used a terrific stretch at the start of the second half to end it and put it away for good. But that sequence right there where Minnesota got it to three and Devontae Green made two huge plays to push it back out is really indicative of kind of the new leadership role that he has on this team and the new responsibility for production that he has to make big plays in key moments. He made them, uh, and, and you know, Devontae had a great first half, 17 points, four assists, three rebounds. Um, the other guards only seven points and one assist. So, you know, that first half, Devontae really carried the backcourt. He was tremendous, and those two plays in particular really showed uh, his great play. Our banner moment, as always, brought to you by our friends at Hoosier Proud, an Indiana-based t-shirt and apparel company that is by Hoosier for Hoosiers. If you are wondering why you should check out HoosierProud.com, I will give you a few reasons. Number one, their designs are outstanding. And for any apparel company, that should be the number one reason why you check them out is they have great designs. And so if you go to HoosierProud.com, you will, of course, find our official assembly call t-shirts. Uh, they also have officially licensed Indiana gear as well, basketball shirts, uh, the great AJ Moye shirts that we were telling you about earlier this year. Uh, they've got football themed shirts, soccer themed shirts, a lot there to choose from for uh, the IU fan. And then also they have their flagship designs, these really unique, interesting designs inspired by elements of the Hoosier state, all of it there for you at HoosierProud.com. And another reason to go there and to shop is that you're supporting Indiana-based charities because HoosierProud.com donates a portion of the t-shirt sales to specific Indiana-based charities. And you can find out what those charities are at the website. And of course, it's always nice to save money and you save money at HoosierProud.com. When you use the promo code assembly, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y, they will give you 15% off of your entire order. So go to HoosierProud.com, use the promo code assembly. Again, it is HoosierProud.com. All right, well, it is time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. And we start with the bottoms line brought to us by IUTickets.shop. Andy? 
Well, outside of the potential Colin Hartman injury and the abomination that was this broadcast, uh, I think it was a pretty perfect night of basketball for IU. It was another really strong defensive performance. Um, I think 0.82 points per possession, at least the one I'm looking at, harassed Nate Mason into 6 of 20 shooting from the floor. Um, but for me, it was really the way they came out in the second half. I think that kind of carried over what you talked about, Jared, from the first. You know, it was a case where they had they had seemed like they were pushing the lead up, got a little sloppy there toward the end of the half. Both teams did, you know, fouling guys on three-pointers, and uh, but really came out and just took away any hope that Minnesota had right away in the second half. Uh, went to the basket. I think it was a, a combination of Morgan... McSwain and uh, and Devante all got layups within the first few minutes and basically forced Patino to take a timeout. And IU didn't make a field goal that wasn't a layup or dunk until about four minutes left in the second half when Robert Johnson uh, hit a three. I mean, they were just, it was a parade to the basket, uh, partly because IU was just intent on getting there, partly because despite what the announcer said, I didn't feel like Minnesota was really playing all that hard uh, once they really started to get blown out. But yeah, I mean, Johnson's three-pointer actually with three minutes left. So I mean, they went almost 17 minutes of the half making, I think, 15 uh, and made 15 layups or dunks in that in that time. And obviously for a team that struggles to shoot the ball from the outside, if you can make that work, it's uh, it, you know it's hard to go against that. But I thought they just did a really good job of attacking Minnesota, really wore them down, took advantage of their lack of depth. Um, and and really just took away any hope at the beginning of the half and continued to just beat it out of them the rest of the game. And now we go over to Ryan for Ryan's rant, brought to us by TheBigLead.com. Ryan? Uh, here's what I'll say. Uh, 21 assists on 30 made field goals. Uh, I think that's a huge storyline tonight for Indiana. And and I, I wrote it on Twitter, and I'll say it here. Given the way this team has improved since January 1st, uh, if Archie Miller can get Indiana level recruits and get them to buy into the system, he's going to win a national championship in Indiana. I mean, this is what we've wanted from Indiana for so long. Active defense, just, I mean, it, they just choked the life out of Minnesota. I mean, they, there was nothing they could do, and they've done that to several teams this year. It's not just, you know, it, it, since the beginning of January, this team is completely different and is playing on a different level, and it's so obvious. And if you had one or two guys who were a little bit, you know, higher level players that could make shots consistently and, and create offense consistently, you would have a much better basketball team. But once this system is implemented for a full year and once he gets his own players in here, this is going to be, I mean, he's he's going to be the guy. He is the guy to take Indiana to the next level. I, I have no doubt about it right now. I think I think early in the season, it was sort of like, let's see how this goes. I have faith in him, but let's see how this goes. I, I believe it right now. And I think he, he's the guy. And and man, the turnaround with the, it's not wins and losses. It's how this team is playing and what they're doing. And it's just so impressive what he's been able to do Considering injuries, considering a lack of, you know, high end talent available, um, you know, these aren't all top 50 recruits. You know, these are guys who, uh, you know, aren't those next level guys. And if he can get a couple of those, this is going to this is going to be a really, really good program in short order. And if Clifton Moore can start making turnaround jump shots consistently, I mean, oh, man, yeah, I know you were <laughs> salivating over that. By, by the way, I want you all to know, Ryan was so enthusiastic about the point that he just made that he tweeted it and texted us the tweet. Yeah, of course <laughs> while, while both of us are clearly on Twitter because we tweeted in the game. I can't risk you guys missing it. I, that was a point that needed to be seen. <laughs> it's potential that we had stopped following you at some point during the season. So I understand, uh, it was I understand great. why you'd go that route. I, mean, I wouldn't, wouldn't I, be shocked by it. I like it when someone is that passionate about a point that they're going to make. It's awesome. It's awesome. It well, was I that also kind wanted of night. you guys to night. see it before the show so you could, you know, comment. So we it. wouldn't be so loud that we were just speechless. Yeah. And didn't I mean, know what we to got say. A show to do. We got a show to do. You guys can't be stupefied. Just, I just wanted you to have time to process it. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. Uh, you're listening to the I'm doing call. this for you guys. This is, <laughs> this is a courtesy. Uh, I'm Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips and Andy Bottoms, clearly uh, in a jovial mood here after Indiana's 24-point win over Minnesota this evening at Simon Scott Assembly Hall. Not even the most atrocious and insulting broadcast could bring us down. We'll talk about that later in the show because it, it was that was that was absolutely awful. But let's talk about a lot of the good from this game for Indiana. And let's start with Devontae Green. I mean, he has been a headline story the last few games. His progression uh, as Indiana's point guard 
has continued and it continued tonight. And Ryan, you mentioned the assist. You know, that was clearly a key for Indiana coming into this game. Archie Miller, uh, you know, talked about it uh, in his uh, uh, press appearance earlier. He talked about it, you know, on, on the pregame show today, how important that was. And, you know, I think I put the stat in the postgame email after the last game. But if you look at Indiana's assist rates over the last five games, they basically track with Devontae's playing time because the assist rate has been way up in four out of the last five. And the one game it wasn't was against Purdue when he only played four minutes. Well, tonight, Devontae had seven assists total to go with the 19 points that he scored along with the four rebounds. And the offense just really seems to have another level when he's out there with the ball in his hands. And overall tonight, Indiana with an assist rate of 70%. And, you know, we've talked about it. You know, Devontae becoming a guy who's consistent, who's more focused, who's making better decisions to where his playmaking ability can shine without so many of the negatives, he totally changes the complexion of this team. And he gets guys more open shots. He can even create offense for himself. Uh, and we saw that continue tonight. And so it's just one more game uh, of consistent play for Devontae that I think is starting to make everybody a believer, Ryan. Yeah, this is why you can't give up on guys quickly. You got to give them a chance to play and develop and and start to sort of, you know, grow into things. I mean, you got to remember it was he played last year, but he didn't play in long stretches. He didn't get a whole lot of time. And, it, you know, even when he did have, you know, good minutes in a game, it wasn't like it was consistent. And you've got to get these guys experience in the college game if you want them to improve. I mean, look, if you're going to be a, a team that has a lot of one and dones then or something like that, then yeah, if a guy doesn't play, then you got to bench him. But a guy like Devante, who's clearly going to be a guy who's around for a long time, um, you know, needs to get a chance to develop and, and get a chance to make mistakes and learn from him and see tape on, you know, bad things he does and, and realize that he has some bad habits. I mean, you can't do that just in practice. You need to kind of get in a game and find your limits and then find where you need to raise your game. And and that's what he's done. I mean, give him credit. I, I mean, we'll still probably see some down, you know, a down game here or there, but that's natural with everybody. But man, he is just, really proving a lot of people wrong because a lot of people were saying, you know, not to get too excited about that Ohio State performance. And it turns out that, you know, that's actually the trend. And, and, and that's actually, you know, something that's that he could develop that consistency. Now, again, you want to see him keep showing consistency. You know, that's that's his big thing is just being consistently active on defense, consistently active on offense, not letting offense affect his defense or, you know, a bad defensive play affect his offense. If for a long time you saw him, if he got beat defensively, he wanted to go right down and score to make up for it. And that's the exact wrong thing to do. You know, get work within the system, use your playmaking ability and, and make stuff happen within the system for other players and for yourself. But at the same time, you know, always stay on the level and always kind of keep your head about you. And, and he's, he's really done that the last couple games. And he's, he's really become a guy who can do a lot of things on the floor. And, and, you know, you gotta love it. You gotta love watching a guy who had trouble get better and develop and become, you know, a, a better player. And, and, and that's, that's the fun of college basketball. That's the fun of sports is watching a guy who didn't play well, overcome his shortcomings you know, become a better player. And and he's a great story right now because beginning of the year, he was the guy everybody was doing the, the old damn it Devontae. You know, I mean yeah. he, that's who he was. And he was the the Troy Williams, the the good Devontae, bad Devontae. And and we're seeing it right now. We're seeing consistency. You know, it also makes me think, I mean, while we're lauding Archie Miller for the defensive improvement, I think we need to talk about kind of the long view that he's taking with Devontae. Because you remember back in the preseason, he was very, very positive about Devontae. You know, talked about how he had some city in his game, but, you know, mentioned all the things that he could do. But, you know, we saw some games like the Purdue game where he only played four minutes, like the Wisconsin game where he only played 10, like the first Minnesota game where he played 13, where it seemed like he had a really quick hook and no patience with Devontae. And I think some of us were wondering maybe, okay, is Archie giving up on him a little bit? Is this not going well? Is there something there? And it seems like, you know, maybe what this is, is more an example. And this is a, I know it's not real fashionable to quote Tom Izzo these days, but this is an old Tom Izzo quote that I've always loved, which is that discipline is the greatest form of love that you can show somebody. And, you know, I just wonder if Archie has had such a quick hook with Devante to not stand for any of the nonsense to help teach him 
you know, what is acceptable, what isn't. And now if we're seeing that come to fruition, and if we're seeing a guy who's been dealt some pretty harsh lessons by his coach this year, who's finally starting to get it, you know, without being in practice, we don't know. But as I just kind of think back to how this season has gone and think about the progression, Andy, that's kind of what's coming to mind. And, you know, look, Archie was a, a successful guard himself, coached a really successful point guard at Dayton. You know, he knows what he's doing in this regard. And I think we all hope that Indiana's guards would show progress under Archie. And, you know, while the other three have been up and down and struggled some, Devontae really coming into his own here. Hey, Al Durham is playing better, too. I yeah. Mean- you know, I'm sorry to jump in there, but you got you got to mention Al Durham. I think he's I think he's played really well lately. I mean, he, but he not never, on the level of Devon. I mean, Devontae no, is no, changing what not. this team is capable of. Of course not. But Al's also playing ten to fifteen minutes a game. But when he's in there, you're not noticing bad things. And and for a while, it looked like he hit that freshman wall, was really just doing nothing. And you know, you're starting to see him sort of get acclimated to it again too. So I mean, you got to give him credit. You got to give the kid credit for playing better. Yeah, I mean, I think with I think with Devontae, it was funny. Even he made that that turn right before he got taken out at the end of the game, and it was just you know at that point the game had kind of devolved a little bit. And even that, he was kind of giving him a little bit of a hard time about. Um, but I think you know that kind of relentlessness of of being able to drill that into him has uh, you know it's hard to argue with the results. So uh, something he did he did has certainly worked with him. And and you know just you mentioned this. I think you tweeted this out in the first half, just about how many times you, how about you noticed his patience and how much that's changed. And I think that was even true with shot selection. I mean, he shot the ball really well in the first half, made you know made four threes. He only missed two shots for the game. One of those was a you know heave at the end of the shot clock. So it wasn't even um, you know he didn't take a high volume of shots. He just took good shots that were within the flow of the offense. And and then by the same token, really worked more in the second half and got other guys involved um, even more. I think he only took you know one or two shots in the second half. Um, and so just continue to do well. And I think defensively, we, we touched on that uh, after the game against Rutgers about how well he played against Corey Sanders. I thought he did a great job tonight, three more steals. Um, and I thought he and, and Robert Johnson, Zach McRoberts did a really good job of putting pressure on the perimeter because that was really where, you know, Minnesota wanted to, uh, you know, really initiate things and, and had guys that could score. So I thought he did a good job. And the other thing I noticed, I guess, from a maturity, patience, whatever kind of standpoint, you know, Isaiah Washington, you know, is a, a New York City guy as well, uh, or at the very least, a, a New York guy. And he was kind of, you know, in the second half when the game really started to come off the rails for Minnesota. I mean, he was just doing a lot of one-on-one, trying to, you know, hot dog different things. And, and I, you know, I think there's a lot of us who would say that at various points earlier in the season, that's the kind of thing that even in a even in a game that wasn't very close, Devontae could kind of get suckered into. Um, and I thought he did a really good job. He just came down calmly, you know, dished, you know, dished the ball, ran the offense and um, did some things there. So I think, you know, just another, you know, maybe subtle uh, kind of maturity that he's really started to show. And obviously the team is substantially better for it. Yep. All right. Coming up on the assembly call, I will point out tonight's meaningful moment that you might have missed and we will go inside the numbers and we'll also talk about any other text messages that Ryan has sent us with links to his tweets. That is all next on the assembly call. Stick with us. Hey, just a real quick note here. The next time that you are going to shop online for IU gear, use the URL iustore.shop. That will take you to the official IU online store where they have anything you could possibly want. Candy stripe pants, the Script Indiana warm-up shirt, all kinds of IU gear. And that URL, iustore.shop, is actually our affiliate URL. So when you use it, and buy something, we get paid a commission. So it's a great way for you to shop for the IU gear that you need and to support the assembly call at the same time. Again, the URL is iustore.shop. Please bookmark it and use it the next time you're looking to buy IU gear. We appreciate it. Now back to the show. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, and we are breaking down Indiana's 80-56 to victory over the Minnesota Golden Gophers, and it is time for tonight's meaningful moment that you might have missed. And, you know, I want to point out a couple of moments that just show kind of the new standard for this program. Uh, one came early, 17 minutes left in the first half. It's 7-2. to two, And Zach McRoberts just goes all out hustling for an errant Freddie McSwain pass that almost went out of bounds. Zach hustles, gets it in Devontae's hands at the top of the key. He drains it. It's 10 to two early. And that, 
like that shot like really felt like a dagger early. And I know that Minnesota ended up coming back and making it a three point game. But that run that Indiana made early really came out and staggered kind of a wounded opponent. And a lot of that, you know, that early stuff happened. Obviously, you know, making some early threes helped. But the hustle from guys like Zach McRoberts was really key. And then I think you you go all the way to the end of the game, right? Okay, why are we making plays like that three minutes into the game? It's because Archie Miller won't stand for anything less 34 minutes into a game when you're up 24 points. Because at the six-minute mark, Justin Smith had this great dunk along the baseline. It was beautiful. And then the next possession, he comes down on the baseline again, turns it over. And he, you know, kind of soaks a bit, doesn't run back on defense. And Archie just goes nuts on the sidelines, immediately takes him out. And I'm thinking, man, you know, Indiana's up by, you know, 22, 24, however much it is. And Archie just isn't going to deal with anything less than 100% focus and effort, no matter what. And, you know, Andy, you talked about the turnover that Devontae had, same thing. And so, you know, the, especially in a game like this, you know, that type of blowout when you're watching the second half, I love watching for those little things. You know, do guys still have attention to detail? There was a play where I think three minutes left and Juwan Morgan goes all out for an offensive rebound. Now, I'd prefer to ha not have Juwan on the floor up that much late in the game, but, you know, that's that's all, you know, well and good. I think Archie put the, some of the starters back in there when things got a little bit sloppy. But, you know, to see that and to see Archie holding the guys accountable like that, even late in the game, up by that much, that's what I love to see from my coach. And that's why you're seeing this great improvement from Indiana because they're not just playing for 25 minutes anymore. They're not playing for 28 minutes anymore. They are, uh, you know, much better able now to sustain playing harder, playing more focused, playing together, playing with the system the way Archie wants them to play, and it's because Archie's holding them accountable for 40 minutes, Ryan. Yeah, it's great to see. I mean, that's that's fun, you know, to watch a coach be as engaged as we are as fans. You know, when we're like, God, what's he doing? Uh, it's nice to see the coach react the same way. I mean, I, I agree. I think that maybe some of those guys could have been out a little earlier, uh, but at the same time, I, I think that Archie has a level of expectation for these guys that he, uh, you know, that it, that is starting to come through, and you're starting to see, and it's it's extremely high, and and you know that standard should be there. This is Indiana; it's not you know Dayton. <laughs> I mean, you know, and the fact that he probably had those standards at Dayton too is, you know, pretty great to think that he's already trusting these guys to play that well uh and, and to always have their head about them and to always hustle and to always be smart you know just a few months into his tenure is is a big deal because you know it's only going to get more uh you know harsh i guess i could say as things go on but that's what you want you want these guys out there hustling and playing hard the entire game and and you know regardless of the score and and i thought i think that's a great quality for a coach to have yeah, and Andy, you know, the other uh, um, sequence that really jumped out, and you mentioned this a little bit, but that stretch to start the second half where, you know, it's 39-29, and Indiana's clearly in control, but, you know, if Minnesota comes out, if they score a couple buckets, now maybe you've got yourself a bit of a dogfight. Indiana comes out, first possession, McSwain to Morgan for the dunk, next possession, Devontae drives for the layup, next possession, Robert Johnson to Freddie for the layup, 6-0 run, 45-29, game over. And it seems like pretty much every game, our first possession of the second half is going to Juwan Morgan, and he's you know making a layup or a dunk. Uh, but it's really nice to see the team because think back, you know, back when Big Ten play kind of restarted, Indiana was really struggling coming out of second halves, and I think now they're doing a much better job of having a plan, especially on the offensive end, and getting good shots early in the halves. And so it was really nice to see that again, especially in a game like this where you've got to reassert your dominance and make sure the other team knows that it's not going to be a game. Indiana slammed the door shut really quick. Yeah, I think that was, you know, a big one. They've, you know, they've started well in other games and kind of let people hang around. And I thought this was one of the best jobs they've done of really just, again, taking away all hope at the beginning of the half. And, and that was all just really by, again, by sharing the basketball, you, you know, you, you know, you mentioned the the two assists on, uh, you know, within that, that sequence. Um, even the other basket by Devante was just the result of a couple of nice screens around the top and he was able to get to the basket. And almost every, every basket that I scored at the beginning of the half was, um, they were all layups, as I mentioned before, but nearly all of them were off of really good, uh, really good unselfish plays and, and moving the basketball. And again, I think that's one way that this team can offset the fact that it's not going to shoot the ball very well is by really moving the ball and the, the correlation between, Games when there's a really high assist rate and how the team performs, and games when there isn't, uh, is pretty is a I would assume a pretty strong one. And and when you look at that, you just 
you know, again, obviously getting dunks and layups makes it makes it easier, but just those kinds of things really put pressure on a defense and particularly, you know, Minnesota team that doesn't have a lot of depth coming in. Um, you know, they really made them work and just wore them down um, by making them have to play everybody. There was no time where they could just kind of sit back and and do something. And I think a couple of times in the first half, they settled for three pointers. That didn't really happen hardly at all in the second half. They only took four threes uh, in total in the half. And uh, so I thought that was, uh, I thought that was really good, showing a little, a little killer instinct, and uh, they really never let off the gas. Short of you know, kind of a few possession stretch here and there in the second half, they were really, uh, you know, kind of kept the kept the throttle down as they went. You're listening to the Assembly Call uh, IU post game show, talking about Indiana's victory over Minnesota. And guys, let's go inside the numbers. And breaking news here: the uh, the Ken Palm numbers have updated. Uh, you know, I was, was kind of half wondering if Archie was keeping the guys out there a little bit longer just to make sure that we properly dominated Minnesota and helped the Ken Palm numbers a little bit. Uh, I'm kidding. I'm sure that he's not thinking about that. But we have to counterbalance the Indiana, the effect of the Indiana State and Fort Wayne games on the uh, on the overall efficiency numbers somehow. And it looks like with the last two games, Indiana has done that, Andy, because Indiana is now 55th overall in the country in adjusted defensive efficiency, which may not sound great. Until you realize that I don't know a month and a half ago we were in the two hundreds. So well, the, where, the what's our rank right now? Fifty fifth, which is remarkable. And if you if you condense it even more, as we talked about on Assembly Call Radio over the last ten games before this game, Indiana was seventh. So I can only imagine the impact this game has had on that. And then Andy, overall in the conference now, Indiana second in the conference in defensive efficiency, point nine eight seven points per possession. Uh, I mean, the improvement is remarkable. The improvement from last year to this year and then within this season, uh, just unbelievable. And I think goes to what you were just talking about, how Indiana wore Minnesota down. I thought Indiana wore Rutgers down in the last game. And no, neither of those teams is a good offensive team, but Indiana bludgeoned them defensively beyond even how bad they normally are. And it was with ball pressure. It was with smart post defense, you know, where Freddie and Juwan, you know, defended without fouling. Uh, and we're just seeing this team be more solid, not give up the easy looks either under the basket or from three. And it's becoming really, really fun, entertaining defense to watch. Well, the, I, you know, one of the other things I noticed, and I think somebody pointed this out on on Twitter, was about how if you watch the rotations defensively now compared to what they were in the beginning of the season, it's just night and day. And I think there was insane. There was, was one play where, you know, Juwan went to double the post and they gave up a dunk or a layup. But other than that, I mean, the way they're playing ball screens and being able to just understand where they need to be and switching um, and, and covering for one another on the back end of the defense is just, I mean, it's staggering how different it is if you would go back and watch one of the early games. And it's just, I mean, part of that is time. We, it's been talked about the pack line is not the easiest thing to learn. It's all going to take time to do. And and you're starting to see, you know, the fruits of that labor as, as these guys do it. But, the, you know, the ball pressure continues to be, you know, be really big. And that's yeah, a team, you know, Nate Mason, um, has been in college for, you know, just shy of a decade, it feels like, but, um, you know, really difficult guard. Um, and they, you know, again, they made him take 20 shots to get 18 points. Um, and I thought they did a really good job on him. And, and Isaiah Washington can get, can get going. He's shown the ability to do that. And I thought they really made, uh, made things difficult for him as well. He had, I think four or five turnovers in the game in total. I'll tell you the other numbers that jump out to me on the stat sheet is Robert Johnson's line. And I know, you know, you look at what Juwan and Devontae did. They both had 19 points. You know, Devontae was seven assists and Juwan adding nine rebounds. But Robert Johnson, 11 points, four assists, five rebounds, zero turnovers, only had to take nine shots to get his 11 points. So he was efficient. One for two from three point range. I thought he looked much more in his comfort zone tonight because he didn't have to be a lead ball handler. He didn't have to create a whole lot of offense for himself because he had a guy in Devonte to lean on. And when we've seen Robert Johnson at his best, he's had a good point guard kind of taking the lead and he can play off of that guy and pick his spots to attack, find open jump shots. And I thought he did that tonight. I think if Devontae Green can keep playing like this, he makes Robert Johnson better, I think. And maybe the volume of shots and points won't be there, but I think he'll be more effective. And I think he'll just be more comfortable and confident in his role, Ryan. Did you, did you see the same thing? Or am I making yeah, too much he looked it? he looked very comfortable. I think it's clear at this part of his, point of his career, and there's nothing wrong with this, so I'm not saying this to denigrate Rojo, Andy, back off. Uh, but I think it's clear that he's just more comfortable being Robin than Batman. You know, I mean, like yeah. he in the especially in the backcourt. And if somebody else can take that attention and pressure off of him, it it just 
you know, he can he can sort of fill in the gaps where he needs to, but he's not relied on to do big things. And and you know, eleven points were all he needed to do: five rebounds, four assists, as you said. I mean, that's kind of his comfort zone: scoring twenty points and you know, li- trying to light it up and be the lead scoring guard or just the lead you know ball handler, as you said, is not what he does. And that's probably why he played his best year when Yogi Ferrell was playing his best year. So. Um, I think that uh, you're right, and and I think that when you lower uh, like the load on him, he actually plays better as opposed to relying on him more. And some guys, some guys, it's the other way around. You know, they they get more pressure and they get more um, responsibility, and they feed off of that. He just doesn't seem to be that guy, and maybe it's his personality, maybe it's just the way he's built. Um, but I do think that uh, that he is certainly he, uh, he certainly looked better tonight when there was no pressure on him. A few other quick numbers of note, Andy, and then I want to know what else jumps out to you. Turnover percentage for the Hoosiers of seventeen point six percent. That's basically their season average. So you know, kind of right. And there at what were a they couple. Normally do. Yeah, and that, that's there what I'm saying. Is, late. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of it happened late, so they were actually better taking care of the ball. The, the rebounding numbers just kind of ho hum. Hoosiers didn't really do a very good job on the offensive glass, but you know they clearly didn't really need to uh, on a night like tonight. And then. You know, free throw shooting after a solid start, Indiana finishes at 60.9%. So yet another game. I don't, I mean, it feels like every game, the free throw percentage is going down a little bit more and it happened again tonight. Uh, You know, it's obviously not as big of a problem in a game when you win by 24 and aren't really challenged, but you know, this team is playing better. They are almost assuredly going to have some tight games against Nebraska and Ohio State and in the Big Ten tournament, still got to get that fixed um, before you really start feeling confident about this team beating a good team in a close game. Uh, Andy, what else jumped out to you from the stat sheet? Well, I mean, if you look at uh, you know Minnesota shooting percentages for the game, they were thirty percent in the second half, thirty three percent overall from the floor, under thirty percent from three point range. Um, again, just speaks to the difference. IU had six blocks and nine steals. You know, we talk about. I'd be curious to go back and look at some of the numbers of that as well. Just you know, kind of the combined number in those and how uh, reflective of that is of of when IU plays well. Uh, that's a big one. We talked about the assists already. Twenty-one to four in assists compared to uh, Good Lord. compared to Minnesota. Um, and uh, so I thought those things were big. Uh, yeah, the second chance points I think is is as you mentioned with the uh, you know giving up some offensive rebounds. You know Minnesota also missed a ton of shots, so you know maybe more to more to go around. Uh, IU is up to twelfth uh, in the conference in three point shooting uh, after uh, after solid up solid twelfth this evening at thirty eight percent. Hey, you take what you, you take what you can get. Uh, no, I thought I thought those things were good. And then if you you know just to kind of circle back to Robert Johnson, um, you know again plus minus for a single game not ideal, but he was plus thirty two, which was the best on the team uh, in thirty minutes of action. So uh, I think that speaks to what he was able to do. And he he has continued um, to really play solid perimeter defense. He spent a decent amount of time on Nate Mason. Did a really good job, uh, similar to what uh, you know what he helped out of Corey Sanders and uh, I can't remember the other guy in Rutgers name that that he guarded a lot. I thought they. You know, he continues to really just kind of fight through screens. And I think some of that ability to to not shoulder as much of the load offensively or feel that same responsibility, um, I think he can go more all out defensively as he's you know typically done over the course of the year. But I think there was always a part where like you got to leave a little in the tank because they need him to score. Um, but I thought he did a nice job there. And I thought he drove looking to pass a little bit more than he has. He had a couple of nice assists to Juwan uh, in the, uh, in the second half that, that were, uh, that were good. So I thought, as you said, a great all around game from him, but you know, individual numbers wise, uh, oh, the other thing would be bench points, I suppose. Um, 23 for IU, um, Justin Smith had nine, Al had seven, uh, Newkirk had four. So, uh, you know, pretty balanced effort as I guess you'd expect in a 24 point blowout. Yeah. All right. Coming up in the assembly call, we continue our breakdown of Indiana's victory over Minnesota. We need to talk about some individuals like Freddie McSwain and Justin Smith and Zach McRoberts, uh, who really made some solid contributions tonight. Uh, That is next here on the assembly call. Stick with us. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game and every Thursday night on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. You can also view all of our live broadcasts right on our homepage at assemblycall.com. I am Jared Morris. I'm here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips breaking down Indiana's big 24-point victory over the Minnesota Golden Gophers as the Hoosiers get themselves back to 500 and Big Ten play with a chance to get over that 500 mark against Illinois in their next game. Uh, guys, a few other notable individual performances, I thought. Um, 
Andy, you talked a little bit about Justin Smith before, and we mentioned the one you know pretty poor play that he had on the turnover when he didn't hustle back. But he had nine points, you know, and, and I thought finished well around the basket tonight. And this has been kind of a constant struggle for him. He's really good at kind of working that short corner and getting himself along the baseline into positions to score. But he has not been very effective this season at actually putting the ball into the basket or drawing contact. Tonight, he was four of seven, you know, had a couple of dunks, uh, especially in the first half on one, didn't get a foul call, but finished through contact nicely. Uh, and so, you know, again, you know, maybe a caveat for the competition because Minnesota, you know, doesn't have a, a lot out there playing right now. Uh, but Justin looked a little bit more comfortable. And I think that's another area now, you know, where you look at kind of on the margins for this team where they can pick up maybe an extra two, four, six points a game. Free throws are obviously one of them, but then just finishing around the basket. I mean, it, you know, think about the amount of missed shots that Justin and Freddie have had over the past few games. You know, if a few more of those start going down, that's really going to make a big impact for the offense. So I liked what I saw for the most part from Justin tonight, and hopefully this is a game he can build on, uh, you know, moving forward and, and and carry some of that into the Illinois game. Yeah, I mean, it, he must just like playing against Minnesota, I guess. That was where he had his breakout game before. But yeah, I mean, he he only missed one two-pointer. You know, he took a couple threes that I thought were, you know, obviously shots he can make that we saw Way in that first, first, first Minnesota <laughs> game, but did not, did not look good and, and probably weren't uh you know the best shots to take at that point in the game but otherwise you know four or five um on two point shots four rebounds is a big one we've talked about his just activity level and and especially kind of trying to compare him to freddie we you know we made that comparison uh i think on the on the radio show so many things lately i don't know that we i know what, when we talked about what but um you know just just him being able to just go out and be an energy guy score around the basket grab rebounds and things like that so i think when you look at it that way those are things he really did well tonight and hopefully a, a confidence builder for him yeah, what are you what are you seeing from uh, from uh, Justin Ryan? I thought it was a good game for him. I, I really did. I thought that he looked to receive passes from from guys tonight. Where sometimes if you're standing out there, you just kind of have your hands at your side. You're just waiting for the offense to run through you. I, I thought he really looked, you know, had his hands up, was was sort of looking to get the ball as opposed to just sort of being a passive guy and, and you know freshmen do that they kind of wander through games at times but he looked like he was ready to have a game tonight and and i thought he played very well uh that's a great point you like his activity level i mean that that's the big thing about him and i think that you can tell from him early in games how engaged he is and and again he probably thinks he's fully engaged it's just you know a matter of realizing oh there's more that i can do you know it's guys think they're giving 100 percent effort and they don't realize there's an, there's actually another gear they can get to. And you, you've seen that from him on and off this year. Um, but, of course, with freshmen, you're going to hit – some, some guys hit multiple freshman walls, you know, or, or have, like, an off game. They're not used to the travel. They're not used to studying, staying up late, then going to bed and waking up the next day and practicing and then playing a game the next – I mean, it's, you know, it's all a new world for them. And so I think we've seen some ups and downs from him. I thought he was really engaged tonight and and really active, and he was looking to finish strong. I think that's a big thing for him. Um, he had one sort of circus layup kind of thing that almost went in, but other than that, he was looking to just throw it down or get it right up on the rim as fast as he could, and and maybe even get fouled. And and I that's a positive because it look the biggest difference from high school to college and then from college to the nba it this it, it's it's finishing through contact and and we've mentioned that a lot we mentioned that last year the year before i mean it's something we harp on you've got to finish through contact because you're not always going to get the call and, and so you've got to be able to finish and we saw him do that you're right that dunk where he finished through contact was the most impressive thing from him tonight i thought um because he is kind of a longer skinnier guy who's obviously going to going to get stronger but to be able to have the mindset to go up and finish that uh really is a positive for me you know scoring nine points grabbing five rebounds or four rebounds um you know that's fine from justin smith right now that's what we need from him andy this was another solid effort from freddie he had eight points he continues to be one of the nation's most efficient rebounders had seven rebounds in 23 minutes a couple of them on offense he even had two assists tonight and didn't turn it over uh, you know, so while he missed a few of those alley oops, and again, you know, you would love to see those go down because my goodness, I mean, this is a guy who's going to be scoring 10, 12 points a game if he can just make a few more of those shots close in. He was good. You know, this was not a game for Zach McRoberts where you can look at the box score and really tell his impact in 30 minutes. He only had a rebound uh, and a turnover and a couple of fouls, and he, he put up one shot that was 
I thought pretty poor choice for a shot from him. Um, but again, you know, we know the kind of impact that he makes defensively. And I thought he played some really terrific defense on Nate Mason at times uh, that, that, that really kind of, you know, made things hard on Mason. But if someone had told you at the start of the year that Indiana would really kind of be crescendoing toward the end of the year with the McLineup as the new starting five and Archie Miller saying that it's basically the best lineup uh, after all the crap that we gave that lineup last year. And I think it was warranted in a lot of ways because, I mean, you know, the team was so limited offensively. But to those guys' credit, man, they have found ways to contribute while minimizing, you know, maybe kind of the negative effect that they can have on the offensive end. And Freddie, with his offensive rebounds and, you know, his newfound scoring has really started to become even more of a force on that end. But, I mean, I can't think of something that has been more unexpected, and it is absolutely a credit to those two guys for playing so hard and to Archie Miller for understanding how to put them in positions to maximize what they do well and minimize what they don't do well. And I will eat as much crow as possible for all the negative things I said about the McLineup because they're the starters. They deserve to be the starters, and I don't see any reason why they won't continue to be the way they've been playing. Yeah, I believe our our friend... Uh... Megan did we commented on the McLineup one time and she tweeted back I'm loving it something like that so I think at this point uh, I think at this point that's as apropos as anything but um, you know I, I I agree with you I mean they Freddie just the activity level I think he had three blocks and what I think he's done defensively uh, for IU is he's they, they've kind of put him in a position to guard the uh, the the better scorer of the front court options which has allowed Morgan to not take possessions off defensively but not put him in a position to get in foul trouble so they yeah, put uh, you know they they put McSwain on on Jordan Murphy t- tonight and he might give up a few points here and there um but he's just going to battle him the whole time and and really you know he drew some of those fouls on on or on Murphy when he got into foul trouble and so I thought that was that was big and he just continues to be active I mean he could very easily have had 12 points if, if you know he didn't miss those couple dunks but um you know, again, he he seems. You talked about the turnovers. He just seems more confident catching the ball uh, in different places on the floor, in different situations, and um, you know, just making you know quicker and, and better decisions. So, uh, I would agree with that. And, you know, Zach, I thought just played you know kind of a typical uh, typical Zach McRoberts game, quite frankly. Um, you know, played good defense. You know, made a number of hustle plays and and did all the things that they need him to do. And uh, so, yeah, definitely, like you said, a, a testament to the the effort that those guys put in and. Um, they just kind of continue to keep getting better. It feels like, and and just really building confidence as they go. And I think it's been really important for IU. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. I am Jared Morris. I'm here with my co-hosts Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, breaking down Indiana's victory over Minnesota. The other guy I want to talk about is Juwan Morgan. Uh, and you know, here we are, 37 minutes into the show, we haven't really talked much about him. And he had 19 I we, points. I thought we nine promised boards. not to do this, not to well, take him for granted. I thought I know. We, well, I know. Again, it's kind of a compliment to him that he can have a game like this. And it's like, oh, yeah, Juwan was awesome again. But here's what I do want to mention, because, you know, look, this is kind of what you count on from Juwan. And he was efficient, eight for 13. Um, the thing that I noticed tonight more than anything was I thought he made some uncharacteristically questionable decisions with his dribble. And, you know, it was almost like he was kind of feeling his confidence a little bit and was trying to expand his game a little bit and saw a couple of opportunities to push it and try and take guys off the dribble that he normally wouldn't. And look, he's good at it. He has shown that. I think maybe we saw the upper limits of that because he tried to be a little bit more creative off the dribble and it led to some turnovers. Um, And so maybe that was, you know, the game. It was obviously not a game that was in doubt uh, for very long. So I'm not going to make a big deal about it. But for a guy who has been so consistent and where you're almost, you know, can't say anything negative about him almost any game, it's almost refreshing to be able to uh, pick <laughs> pick apart something that it's he did wrong. It's almost refreshing that he screwed up. <laughs> well, it just, you know, reminds us that, you know, he's still he's still just he's still just a man out there playing basketball. So. Uh, <laughs> what I, It's so funny because 19 points, nine rebounds, four assists, uh, Eight to thirteen from the field in thirty-one minutes was. I mean, he was great. He was great. (laughs) I mean, honestly, though, it was kind of a ho hum performance. You know, I mean, for Jawan, because you're expecting it, like you said. I mean, there. You know, we. But it's as you said, it's a compliment to him. We we did that with Yogi Ferrell some in his final year. He was just so good. You're just kind of like, all right, let's talk about the other guys. I mean, tonight and and now we're overcompensating by referencing how we used to do that with Yogi all the time. (laughs) Um, Jawan, don't take offense to this man. We did Yogi too. But no, I, I you know look if if you had to sit back and watch this game, having watched this team all year, you talk about Devontae Green tonight. You don't talk about Jawan Morgan. When Jawan Morgan scored as much, it was just as impactful in the game. But 
you know, I, I think it's because you don't expect it from Devontae as much. And you're starting to, but you know, it's it's they're on different levels of of expectation. And and Juwan Morgan, you know, basically turning in a 19, 20 point double double is what we expect now. And and we he spoiled us. So you know what? It's his fault. He's been so good, it's his fault. It's that we're that we're uh overlooking uh his contribution so uh great game of course from juan and and you know he's the rock that this team is built around and i you know they keep showing um you know people's big 10 uh, all big 10 teams and and they keep leaving him off and i think that's a crime Hey, credit to Sam Vicini, who runs the podcast now for the Fieldhouse. He had Juwan as the, as the sixth guy, like the last guy that that isn't on it. And I think that's defensible. I think you can make a case for probably five or six guys along with Juwan, but he had him right there at sixth, um, which I thought was you know pretty respectful for Move the kind up. of season Juwan. <laughs> hey, you know, Sam is actually the first guy that had Juwan on a, on a, one of his draft big boards. He's got Juwan in there at 76th on his uh, top 100 NBA draft big board. So he clearly understands the impact Juwan is making. Andy, um, do we talk about the Clifton Moore turnaround jump shot now or do I save that for my game ball? I just... Uh, uh, I don't know, I don't know when, it, when it's appropriate. To just put that one in your pocket. and. Uh... <laughs> okay, however... Okay, but I, I do want to mention it real quick because that shot that he made, you know, he hasn't looked real comfortable offensively and we haven't been able to see that. Him being able to make that shot is why people are excited about him. And there's, you know, there, there's no comparison between him and Jeremy April. We're we're totally kidding about that. Um, but the fact that he's a big man that can shoot like, of course that, not, because it's Jeremiah April. That's what you, I said, Jeremiah April. Oh, no, no, you said Jeremy. No, 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 Jeremy. I just I said it fast. Said, I said I said it. I said it fast. Um, but what what I mean is because I kind of all along have expected him to start getting more minutes and be kind of some offensive punch off the bench, and who knows if that'll happen, but. Again, that shot, I think, just a peek into the kind of things he can do that have people excited about him. But until he can defend a little bit better, you know, seeing him in games like this where the outcome is no longer in doubt is probably all we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I think I think his usage thus far would suggest that's the case. But yeah, you know, good for him to get some playing time and you know make a play. Who you never know when you're gonna you know need to turn to somebody or how snake bitten, uh, you know, you might get with injuries or things like that. So yeah, he definitely looked more confident in that than than he probably did even when he's coming in some of these other games i think the rutgers game you know he got a little playing time but just didn't look very comfortable and uh looked a little bit more so tonight last thing i'll mention before we get out and get to the next segment colin hartman came in played five minutes what did you guys have you seen any update on his injury because i know he left look he was hurt his arm i thought he was they icing saw his wrist yeah, yeah somebody said they, he was icing his wrist so man why like why can't he just enjoy some some playing time without an injury. I mean, I just there's some guys you just feel so bad that it keeps happening to them. And Colin is obviously one of those guys. So I don't know. No real comment there. I just I feel awful for him. And I hope that it's not a serious injury and that he's able to finish out the last few games of the season. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, all right. Coming up on our final segment of this edition of the Assembly Call, we will hand out our game balls. We will look ahead to Indiana's next opponent. And then we will deliver our final thoughts on Indiana's victory over Minnesota, which will absolutely include an excoriation of the worst broadcast, basketball broadcast that I have ever heard tonight. That'll be my last call. You guys are free to talk about as much as you want in your last calls as well. That is next here on the Assembly Call. Stick with us. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Ryan Phillips and Andy Bottoms wrapping up our breakdown of Indiana's 24-point victory over Minnesota Friday night at Simon Scott Assembly Hall. And it is that time in the show where we hand out our game balls. Andy, you have the honors to go first. Uh, you know, it's... It's tough. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Juwan actually. Um, I think it would be easy to pick Devonte, but I'm definitely overcompensating for not talking about him till later in the show. So uh, <laughs> I'm gonna go with him. I thought you know the big thing for me was that uh, you know he really got other guys involved early. All five of his assists came in the first half, and there was a time when things kind of bogged down when he was on the sidelines. And the offense can be a, a tough watch uh, even on a good day, but it's certainly a tough watch when he's not on the court. But he came back in. The game tightened up a little bit. It might have gotten within four. Um, he came back in. They immediately got the ball to him in the post. He kicked it out to Devontae for a three. He just 
he's playing so well and he's attracting so much attention from the defense that he really took advantage of that in the first half, got other guys involved. And then the second half, he kind of went and got his and had, you know, 10 points, six rebounds in the second half. Um, didn't have an assist at that point. And uh, I, I just thought played really well, continues to be the rock for this team um, and really helped them get off to a good start by being such a focal point of the defense and, um, you know, putting other, getting the other guys the ball in a position where they could score and get some confidence as well that, that really uh, helped you get out to an early lead that they never really let go. Ryan, your game ball? Uh, it's it's Devontae Green for me. Um, five of seven from the field, four of six from three, 32 minutes. Uh, the three turnovers we mentioned, one of those was was late uh, on a kind of clowning around play. Uh, 19.7 assists, four rebounds, another solid game for him. And, and the big thing for him, as we've said, is, is consistency. So I am breaking my Freddie McSwain streak and going with Devontae Green. Uh, I am going to go with Devontae Green as well. I thought he was absolutely dynamite in the first half uh, when you know when the game was still in doubt. He was the one making the big shots, and he was the one who set the tone from a ball movement and from a, a, a creation perspective for Indiana tonight when that was the coach's big key coming in, and Devontae absolutely went out and executed what his coach wanted him to do. And when you have a point guard and a coach that are in sync, I mean, it can just take your team so far. And I think, you know, if you were someone who hadn't watched an Indiana game all year, like for instance, the broadcasters who actually called the game uh, tonight <laughs> and you just, you know, and you just watched that first half, you might think, you know, you might look at that and say, okay, Devonte green is a leader of this team. Like this is his team because he was totally in control and he was the guy taking the big shots when, you know, Indiana needed a momentum swing and granted, you know, all of us who have, you know, who've watched the team and, 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 you know, have watched what's going on knows that clearly this is, you know, Jawan Morgan's team and he's been the most consistent guy. And, you know, Devonte is still, you know, kind of in that prove it stage where, you know, we're trying to get more comfortable with him. But my goodness, the more that he stacks these performances together, he's going to earn the trust of his teammates, of his coach, of the fans, everybody. And, you know, we've always known that he's had this potential in him because you've seen it in flashes. And if it continues to be consistent, you know, it's kind of a cliche, but the sky's the limit for him. But most importantly, he just he changes what this team is capable of. And he changes even the complexion of the program next year, because now you look at the guards next year and depending on who Indiana adds to it, you start to feel a lot better about what Indiana has coming back. So tip of the cap to Devontae Green for really turning his season around and really playing with so much more maturity but not letting it remove the creativity and the greatness from his game that he has. So my game ball goes to Devontae. Uh, Andy, let's look ahead to Indiana's next opponent. Uh, the Hoosiers play Illinois. That game is on Wednesday evening. So look at this. We've got Saturday off, Sunday off, Monday off, Tuesday off. Holy moly, four. We have days off. Whoa. And you know what's great about it? We don't even have an episode of Assembly Call Radio in between. So there's like four days without a broadcast in between. Wow. We're going to be rusty. So... Maybe we should do a practice show on like Monday just to make sure that we don't uh, get out of sync. But yeah, there's some uh, good Miak games on Monday night. We could probably we could probably get on after this. So the Illinois game, we remember Illinois from playing them up there. They play that frantic style of defense. Indiana handled it early, really struggled late. Even so, you just make a few free throws, you win that game. You look at, you know, Ken Palm has it as a six point IU win, a 70% chance of victory. I think it's a game most IU fans are going to feel pretty good about, especially after the last two games. What is your kind of feeling about that? And how do you think that game might be different than what we saw in Champaign? Well, I mean, it's possible that Illinois will actually be called for fouls commensurate with the rate that they have been called for fouls over the rest of the season in that game. But we'll never, you know, who's to say? Andy's uh, clearly been hanging out with me too much. Yeah, well, obviously. <laughs> obviously. Uh, so, I mean, they really haven't, you know, they had that stretch where, you know, they beat IU, then they beat Rutgers by 30 uh, immediately after that. But then they had, you know, they lost the last couple of games since, including, um, you know, last night to to Wisconsin by almost 10 points at home and a Wisconsin team that's really been struggling. So, you know, again, I think there are, you know, Illinois does a handful of things well, um, but this is a game that IU really ought to win. Um, Illinois hasn't played well away from home this year. In fact, I don't believe they've won a road game as I um, as I look through these. They've won a neutral site game, but otherwise all their other wins have come at home. So, um, you know, I think that obviously bodes well. They play Sunday and then turn around and come on Wednesday, so not quite the, the short turnaround that uh, we had become accustomed to for a while, but a little bit shorter. Uh, and again, I think gives IU a little bit more time to prepare for what they're going to be uh, faced with when, and what Illinois wants to do defensively, which I think can help. And, um, you know, I, I, I hesitate to call it any kind of revenge game, but I, certainly this is a game that IU remembers letting slip away. And I think uh, they'll be ready to go on uh, on Wednesday. 
Well, I hope so, because that's a game that the Hoosiers absolutely need to win to set themselves up for really being able to to do something of importance down the stretch with those, you know, with two road games and the game at home against Ohio State. So you got to take care of business against Illinois. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Remember that because you're an Assembly Call listener, you get 15% off of your entire order at HoosierProud.com. So if you want officially licensed IU gear, one of our Assembly Call logo t-shirts, or one of Hoosier Proud's unique Indiana-inspired designs, visit HoosierProud.com and use the promo code ASSEMBLY at checkout. That's HoosierProud.com, promo code ASSEMBLY for 15% off of your entire order. I am Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. And gentlemen, it is time for Last Call, our final thoughts on tonight's Indiana victory over Minnesota. And Ryan, you can lead us off. Yeah, I just, uh, again, really nice performance by this team. I realize, again, it's Minnesota, just like I know it was Rutgers. But you just saw the defensive intensity. You're starting to see the offense play a lot better and, and more like a unit. And and it's it's encouraging. And and I said it, you know, in the opening, and I'll say it now. I think Archie Miller, if he gets the right kind of players in here, uh, you know, the the players that Indiana fans are used to seeing, that caliber player, and if they buy into a system, he's going to win a national title here. This is a perfect system to win Big Ten titles, win national titles, and, and to be, you know, and and to take your team to that next level. And and I'm sorry, but it, it, you know, for for seeming like I'm I'm getting fired up over a team that's just two games over 500, but you see what he can do with this team. Imagine when he gets those players in here uh, who can, you know, take who 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 are next level guys who can who can take over a game on their own, um, and 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 really lead a team to a championship and and he's going to be able to do it um i also thought it was great 56.6 percent from the field tonight huge because they took high percentage shots and they you're seeing this team get much smarter offensively so uh, all all credit to the staff and the players for buying in and 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 you know really elevating their play over the last 10 11 games by the way, I think Romeo scored 53 points tonight, and before Washington hit that three-pointer at the end of the game, that was the same number of points Minnesota had for the whole game as a team. <laughs> so a testament to IU's defense and to the offensive prowess of hopefully their future shooting guard. Uh, Andy, last call. <laughs> uh, well, I'll just – I know you want to – I know you want to get into the uh, to the announcing. I'll just put a little kindling out there from a bracketology perspective. One <laughs> – Bracketeering. Bracketeering. Bracketeering, yeah. So, one, they invented that. Two uh, – Howie Schwab having Notre Dame in the field at this point is an abomination, uh, much much like the broadcast. Um, and three, Donnie Marshall's case for Nebraska getting in was essentially they have good basketball players, which the last time <laughs> I long, checked... Long basketball yeah, players. Yeah, tall. long. A lot They're of really tall. good athletes. You know who else has a lot of good athletes? Every college team. So... <laughs> According to him, they should be in based sheer on sheerly athleticism. This isn't like the combine where it's like, oh, look how fast he ran. You should be in the tournament. Um, you actually have to beat teams that are capable of winning in the tournament to do that. So uh, as I said, when I tweeted out, that, um, you know, it just add that to the list of things that he did not understand about basketball, the game he saw tonight or uh, or virtually anything. Uh, as for IU, I'll let you I'll let you finish that off. But um you know, as for IU, again, a, a really good, a really good performance. Continue to be strong defensively, and and won a game that they had to win and won it convincingly, which is something that we haven't seen a ton of out of this team, uh, certainly this season. But I think they've, you know, it, it all feels like a progression at this point. And again, we talk about these like three game stretches, and this was a chance to go three and zero in one of these stretches. And so now they're two and zero. They've got one game left uh, to be able to do it against Illinois. And, uh, you know, it's exciting to see how they've they've evolved. I think your points about McRobertson, McSwain, um, you know, a lot of things in, in college basketball, you've got, you know, 18 to 22 year old kids that that are unpredictable uh, in virtually in virtually every facet. So every year there's stories in college basketball that no one had a way to predict. Um, and at least in our little bubble of IU basketball, the thought that that the starting lineup at the time when IU was playing its best basketball of the season would contain both those guys is one that um you know, one that I guess now I would think maybe Donnie Marshall concocted before the season started that we would never believe would actually happen. But um, now, I mean, a true testament to those guys. And, uh, you know, this was just a fun game to watch. And I think they cut to Archie at one point during the game where I felt like he almost smiled um, because almost. after after a good. No way. No almost. way. Almost. The tape will show that he almost smiled and that Jared said Jeremy April uh, a little bit ago. The tape doesn't lie, as Ryan knows very well from all of his tape analysis over the That's course. That's true. Of that is true. Um, 
Yeah. So, and I mean, you're right, Andy. This was a fun game to watch. Uh, it was an awful game to listen to. And at one point, I did mute the television, um, but I wanted to hear how bad the broadcast was so that I could comment on it because I, I knew how upset people were. And, you know, it's one thing to just kind of have a bad broadcast and even good broadcasters will have a bad broadcast from time to time. But it is another thing to just be so totally ill-prepared that you sound like you've never really watched the teams play before to be so arrogant that it's almost hard to listen to. And the funny thing about Donnie Marshall is he wasn't just arrogant about, you know, the candy stripe pants and his kind of general disdain for Indiana University and its audacity to honor its women's soccer team for academic achievement and, you know, just kind of dismiss that. But even to his, did you, the, the comment that he had to his partner, to his play-by-play partner, we were talking about how, yeah, you know, they're just going to, you know, they told me it was my broadcast and there'd be someone here kind of chirping over me. I mean, listening to him, he is a person that I would not want to spend 10 seconds with. And I don't know him personally, but just based on the broadcast, that is not someone that I would want to spend time with. And you may have seen Chronic Hoosier's tweet where he basically said Donnie Marshall wasn't welcome in Bloomington anymore. And I'm fine with that. And yeah, I was, you know, upset about the candy stripe pants thing, you know, but whatever. That was that was far down on the list of the things that really annoyed me. You know, the disrespect for the women's soccer team, uh, I didn't like. And most of all, it was the general disrespect to an audience of basketball fans who take their basketball seriously. And if they're going to invest a couple of hours in watching your network and watching a broadcast when you've stolen it from, you know, the Big Ten Network and other places where it feels like some of those announcers at least try to watch the games and understand the teams that they're announcing, you know, Fox, you need Indiana to drive ratings for these Monday and Friday nights. And you've come in and totally jumbled up the schedule and made it difficult on everybody. And then you're going to turn around and give us that crappy atrocious disrespectful broadcast there's just no there's no excuse for it and i think it's not just indiana fans that deserve better minnesota fans deserve better as well so it was absolutely terrible donnie marshall is probably the worst color analyst that i have ever heard do a college basketball game and i hope we never have to hear them again and i hope fox is ashamed of themselves for putting that out there for public consumption because it was terrible and it was an affront to everybody obviously who likes indiana university i mean that is clear uh, but just to people who are good, well-intentioned, smart basketball fans that wanted to tune in and watch a nice, enjoyable evening of basketball, their awfulness became a sideshow of what should have been a pleasant night for Indiana fans, and that's terrible, and Fox should be ashamed of themselves. So I hope that I never have to watch that again. Anyway, as Bob Knight said, now back to the game. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so... Wonderful performance by Indiana tonight. Uh, again, it's a shorthanded Minnesota team. I much prefer playing them without Amir Coffee than with Amir Coffee. So let's you know uh, continue to do that in the future. Um, but it's just it's really been impressive to watch the growth of these guys, uh, to watch their connectedness. And you read some of Archie's comments, and it really sounds like these guys. You know, while some of us may be analyzing the NCAA tournament chances and thinking there's not much of a chance, and you know, talking about how they're going to have to do this, that, or the other to get on the NIT bubble and all of that. The guys in the locker room seem to feel like the sky is a limit, that they can do anything and beat anybody. And I love that. And I love the fact that they have overcome some of that adversity early in the season and are playing their best basketball at the end of the year because we've seen too many seasons in recent history that went in reverse. And it's nice to be seeing this season that seems to be crescendoing here as we come toward the end of the year. So they got to keep stacking good performance on top of good performance. And beating Rutgers in Minnesota only goes so far, and the competition is going to get a little bit better from here on out. But I think there's a lot to be encouraged about, a lot to be excited by. Uh, really proud of these Hoosiers and just really looking forward to seeing them play again Wednesday against Illinois um, because after these last two performances, I think it's fair to start expecting another good, solid performance at home. And then hopefully they can really get some work done against Iowa, Nebraska, and Ohio State to close out the year. All right, that'll do it for us on this edition of the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. Remember that our live broadcasts immediately following every IU game are always available on our homepage at assemblycall.com and on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. And you can always catch up on demand anytime with our podcast. Just search for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget, go to assemblycall.com slash join to join our free email newsletter so that you get our six banner Sunday news roundups as well as our post game analysis emails sent the morning after every iu game thank you for listening we will talk to you again wednesday night a long time until we will talk to you again the longest break we've had in a while talk to you wednesday night after iu illinois until then keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim
Go Hoosiers. Thank you for being here and for listening to this episode of The Assembly Call. We appreciate it. And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep our show going and to keep growing. And so we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com support that lists five ways that you can support The Assembly Call. And we encourage you to choose whichever method is the easiest and most convenient for you. One of the methods is donating, and so many of you have donated, and we appreciate it so much. On that page, you can choose a monthly recurring donation or an annual recurring donation or just a one-time donation, whatever works for you. And if you don't want to donate... Another way to support the show is you can use our affiliate URLs, iutickets.shop or iustore.shop when you're going to shop for tickets or gear, and we will get paid a small commission when you use those links. But however you support the show, we appreciate it. Thank you. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Let me be straight with you. This is a radio commercial for three small business insurance. With three, your entire business is covered. So while you can't see the following scene, just know that this contractor's business is protected by three. Hey, toss me that drill. Yeah, man. Heads up. Oh, that looks expensive. Now this is an insurance moment, but Three's got it covered. Three is a product of Berkshire Hathaway Direct Insurance Company. Three, no nonsense, just common sense.